Let's start this morning by playing a little game of who said it. So I'm going to give you a, uh, a quote here, maybe a proverb, and you can let me know where uh, you think this is located. So the first one I'll give you is this. God helps them that help themselves. Okay? So where is that? Now I'll give you a hint. We are starting the series in the book of Proverbs. Okay? So just so you know, so we got this. So God helps them that helps themselves. Uh, book of Proverbs? No. The Bible? No. Who knows who said this? Anyone? This was Benjamin Franklin. Yes, in uh, Poor Richard's Almanac. So you think about this, it sounds nice. God helps those that help themselves. But think about it, is that even true? If you're talking about salvation, it is definitely not true at all. I mean, the Bible is very, very clear that he helps us when we couldn't and didn't help ourselves at all. While we were so powerless, while we were still in our sins, Christ died for us. And so you take that into the account of salvation, it's, it's absolutely wrong. You should be very thankful that he helped you way before uh, you even thought about wanting to help yourself, when you were still running away from him. Uh, yeah, we have to uh, come to him, we have to turn to him in repentant faith, but you know what, if the Lord wasn't uh, working in our hearts, we wouldn't even do that. So yeah, God definitely helps those who, who don't help themselves. We should have responsibility in other things in life, but uh, it's not a biblical proverb. Let me give you another one here. Maybe this one will be from Proverbs. Let's see if we can identify it. Uh, who said this? To know what you know and what you do not know, that is true knowledge. Book of Proverbs? Nope. Anyone know? Confucius. Supposedly. I wasn't around to hear him say it, so I don't know. Let me give you one more. See if you can nail this one. All right. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Book of Proverbs? <laughs> yes. This, of course, is Yoda. And I bring this up because we are studying the book of Proverbs, and the Proverbs that we are actually going to be looking at are biblical, and the book of Proverbs will make you more wise than Benjamin Franklin, Confucius, and Yoda combined. Because what they say is, is actual truth from the Lord. It's easy to say things that sound wise, and to say wise things is easy. See, I just made that up, okay? And it sounds wise, but it can be a bunch of nonsense. And the world is full of nonsense, and it's full of different memes and different things, but we need actual truth that comes from God. So this is actually our second week. Last week we talked about the theme of get wisdom, and we looked at Proverbs chapter 4 where it says that. Uh, we talked about what wisdom is. We're going to be backing up now to the beginning. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 1 in the first seven verses here. And we're going to talk more about the book of Proverbs itself. And then after this, uh, Pastor Nick and I are going to be uh, looking at different uh, topics in the book of Proverbs for the rest of summer. So if you have scripture with you, uh, turn somewhat to the middle of your Bible. You'll find uh, the book of Proverbs right after Psalms. And let us read together the first seven verses here. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealings, in righteousness, justice, 
and equity. I have to point out that word equity right now is taking over lots of political overtones. It's not necessarily what it means here in the Hebrew. It just means even-handedness. It means fairness. It doesn't mean equal outcomes or different things. It means uh, just judging rightly. Judges were supposed to judge uh, with equity, judging fairly. Verse 4, these are purposes of uh, the Proverbs, why they're given. Verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So especially for those that are starting out, this is helpful for us. Verse 5, but it's also for the wise. Let the wise hear, increasing in learning, and the one who understands obtains guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, we are talking about the book of Proverbs, and I have a few questions we will use to kind of work through this, and it touches on each of these in these seven verses. And the first one I want to talk about is the question of who wrote the book of Proverbs? And we see that right away in verse 1, where it tells us that uh, these are the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. So the king of Israel, this is Solomon, came after uh, King David. So most of the book of Proverbs was written by Solomon. And I'll explain that in a little bit. There's some that was maybe collected by him, others that were uh, put together in this book. Uh, It's kind of an anthology in some ways, a collection of these and uh, some things at the end, not by Solomon, but most of it was written by Solomon. And King Solomon was given incredible wisdom by the Lord. And I want to take a little bit to look at uh, Solomon and some of these events so that we understand who is the one that is, is writing this, who has uh, collected these different things together. And so uh, Solomon was uh, given... Um, He's uh, the king. He uh, built the temple uh, for the Lord. But one of the other things that he's known for is that God uh, appeared to him and asked him, what, what can I give you? And God gave him a wisdom because Solomon asked for that. Let's turn to the book of uh, Second Chronicles, actually. And we'll look at the account that is there. In Second Chronicles uh, chapter 1, verse 7, there's a parallel account that's in First Kings, but we'll look in Second Chronicles. Starting verse 7, In that night, God appeared to Solomon. That's a big deal, by the way. God appeared to him and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. Let's stop and just think about this. The Lord appears to him and says, Ask me what you want me to give to you. This is not a... Uh, you know, genie in a lamp situation. God is not a magic genie. He's not beholden to us. This is not a make a three wishes type thing and can I wish for more wishes. But this is the Lord appearing to Solomon and and telling him, I am willing to give you, uh, ask me what you want and good chance you're going to get it here. And so Solomon needs to make this decision what he's going to ask for. And you think of all the things that people would ask for today. Would they ask for riches? Would they ask for uh, some personal uh, advancement? Make this person fall in love with me. But remember Solomon, also he's the king. He has this responsibility over the whole land. And so if uh, you were, uh, you know, the president, if the president today had the Lord appear to him and ask, you know, what shall I give you? You know, think of the things that he might ask for. Well, uh, you know, let's stop inflation. 
or uh, could you make my approval ratings go up, or help me remember who I am and why I'm in the White House. Uh, <laughs> but let's see here um, what uh, Solomon asked for. He says, And Solomon said to God, You have shown great and steadfast love to David my father and have made me king in his place. O Lord God, let your word to David my father be now fulfilled. For you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people. For who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? And God answered Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or life of those, or the life of those who you hate, and have not even asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king, wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. I will also give you riches, possessions, and honor. He said, I'm going to give you these other things on top of this because you, you, you saw wisdom and I'm going to give you these other things. Uh, riches, possession, and honor such as none of the kings who had, the kings had who were before you and none after you shall have the like. So Solomon came from the high places of Gibeon and before the tent of meeting to Jerusalem and he reigned over Israel. And God did give him those other things and he gave him this uh, great wisdom that he uh, bestowed on him. So I want to look a little bit um, where it talks about uh, his wisdom. It does talk about, in Scripture, you read the account of him receiving these other things as well, uh, just great riches, grace, honor. It was a real high point, uh, the high point for the uh, nation of Israel. But in 1 Kings chapter 4, there's a great section here where it also talks about uh, God fulfilling this, giving him wisdom. And again, we're reading this because this is going to help us understand Proverbs that are from Solomon, this king. So First Kings uh, chapter 4, uh, starting with verse 29, it says, And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, and breath of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east, and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezraite and Heman, than Heman, wiser than Heman, Calcol and Darda, and the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. Verse 32, he also spoke 3,000 proverbs. That's a lot. That's more than we have in the book of Proverbs. I haven't counted, but I don't think it's 3,000. And his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke of the beasts and the birds and the reptiles. So he knew a lot of uh, uh, science and the study of nature. And all the people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. So you have someone here, this is incredible wisdom that he has been given by the Lord. He, he asked for it, and uh, he, the Lord had delivered this to him. You read the Old Testament accounts, there's uh, times where he, he uses this wisdom in his court, and we're not going to look at all of those, but uh, we see that he is given this incredible amount of wisdom. And we saw, it also said here, that he spoke 3,000 proverbs. 
And it looked like he also would, you know, collect some of the Proverbs from the nations around him uh, at the times and uh, take the ones that were actually, you know, had truth or, or polish them up by those things that he spoke. And so he, what we have here, if Solomon is the author of Proverbs, and he is because it says, then therefore we have, uh, we can see why it, this is such a valuable receptacle of Proverbs. Uh, the Lord was speaking through him, giving him his wisdom, uh, this is inspired scripture, and uh, we know that. It's part of this, the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus accepted it as, as scripture. It's quoted many times in the New Testament. If you read through the book of Proverbs, you'll notice uh, some of the things that we saw in Second Peter. It's like, oh, that's, that's from Proverbs. So we have this as scripture. One thing I want to point out, too, as we're kind of getting into this, there are several sections in the book of Proverbs and again, I want to encourage you to take time to read through the whole thing. Uh, we're going to be doing bits and pieces of it, uh, thematic presentations. Uh, for the uh, younger people, if you come to the Young uh, Married Sunday School class, and I, I hope you would, we're going to, in, in that class, just not do it thematically. We're going to start at a chapter and just work through Proverbs and take them as they come. And I think there's a reason that they're, they're scattered abroad because then we're going to hit things that uh, maybe we didn't know we needed instead of just going to the section that we want to hear from. Uh, but I encourage you to read through the whole thing. And as you do, you're going to see there's a bunch of different sections. And uh, you don't necessarily need to write these all down. If you look in your Bible, you'll see these different sections. But the first nine chapters are basically an introduction and a lot of it is extolling the virtue of wisdom, the importance of getting wisdom, the value of wisdom, why it is so important. So Solomon has this extended introduction. And then when you get to chapter 10, it's where it starts in what we normally think of Proverbs, where it's kind of one verse is a proverb, and it uh, gives you this uh, kind of this standalone truth. And there's a lot of scripture that we would say you, you don't take out of context, and it's going to mess it up. Proverbs are one of those places where they actually do stand alone pretty well. There might be a few exceptions to that, and especially in the introductory chapters. Uh, but you can take like one little proverb, and you can, you can meditate it, you can think about it, you can turn it over in your mind. And actually, if you blow through them too quickly, you're not going to get as much out of them as if you go through them slowly. You think about them. Hmm, how does the first half relate to the last half of each proverb? Usually it's uh, giving a contrast, and... You, the more time you spend in it, the more that you're going to draw out of all of these uh, inspired, wise sayings that are there for us. Uh, so that runs from chapter 10 all the way through uh, 22 to 16. And then there's a section 2217 through 2434, uh, which is called the Sayings of the Wise. And scholars debate who actually wrote this. It may still be Solomon. It may be someone else. It may be collected by Solomon or something. Uh, there's a section at the end where it says more sayings of the wise. So it seems to be a little bit different of a section. Uh, we do know that there's some parts of Proverbs that were not written by Solomon. In, verse, in chapter 25 through 29, there's another section that says these are the Proverbs of Solomon uh, that is collected by the men of Hezekiah. And so what it seems like this is, is later on in the time of Hezekiah, uh, they may have assembled some of the uh, best Proverbs of Solomon and identified these, and uh, these were also included as well. Remember, he, he wrote a lot of them. 
And then in verse, uh, chapter 30, you have the words of Agur, and we don't know uh, very much about who these people were. And 31, uh, the words of King Lemuel, and 31 uh, is where it has the, um, uh, the, the section there about um, you know, a good wife who can find it. And we'll probably save that for a Mother's Day message sometime. Uh, but be good to, uh, good way to end the book of uh, Proverbs when you read through it. So that gives you a little bit of an overview. So these are written by Solomon, great wisdom inspired by God. And even the ones that weren't written by Solomon, we still believe that God inspired these and, and worked providentially through the collection of these as well to put it in, into Scripture. So these are more than just, you know, something that uh, some writer made up for, uh, that George Lucas made up for Yoda. Uh, these are God uh, working through these human authors and giving his wisdom to us through the Scripture. So we have to talk about next, what are the Proverbs and how do they work? So we think of this, uh, the, the Proverbs Remember last week we talked about wisdom. Uh, the Proverbs themselves are short sayings that impart inspired wisdom. At least the biblical Proverbs are inspired wisdom. There might be other, you know, Proverbs in the world and they may land on truth. Sometimes, uh, you know, even a, a blind squirrel gets a nut now and then. Uh, you can still land on the truth or by God's common grace, but these are inspired so the short sayings are meant to be memorable. Uh, they're meant to be uh, thought about, kind of digested slowly, uh, kind of savored. Uh, and they teach us uh, this, this wisdom. And as a reminder, we say, well, what, again, what is wisdom? Wisdom is skill for living. Wisdom is applying knowledge to make choices that usually produce good results in the long term. We talked about these more uh, last week, giving you a recap here. But So the Proverbs are a way of God communicating wisdom to us. So if we, we hear it, we take it into account, we put these into our heart, then it gives, well, it, it gives us something to work with as we're making these basic decisions in life. They're making our choices. And especially if there's times in life, so many, when it's, it's not a clear-cut thing that we have to do and we have to have biblical wisdom stored up inside of us. And the Holy Spirit can help us. The Holy Spirit illuminates truth to us. But you need that truth stored up in your heart for the Holy Spirit to, to illuminate, to shine that light on and to help you remember, okay, these are biblical principles that we need to apply, that we need to put into practice. So again, these are about wisdom, uh, which is this different than just straight knowledge. Okay, ignorance is the opposite of knowledge. Foolishness is the opposite of wisdom, because you can be a very, very intelligent person and still very, very foolish. And many of the uh, most intelligent people really are very foolish when it comes to making decisions that will be good in the long run in this life, but especially you consider the life to come. The long run goes way past this life. So knowledge and wisdom are, are, are two different things. Uh, knowledge is what you have. Wisdom is how you use it, how you live this out, using knowledge, using it in the right way, whatever it is that you have. From these definitions, um, we talked about it, it meaning skill for living. Uh, and the other definition that it's uh, making good choices that usually produce good results. 
I want to again draw your attention to the word usually. Now, if you go into eternity, we say, well, eventually they have good results because God is pleased that you made a wise choice. But in this life, too, we're going to see a lot of the Proverbs talk about having uh, good results that are in this life, things going well for us here and now. And oftentimes that is the case. Uh, but we're going to see it's not always the case. That there can be times when you're following this wisdom and it doesn't go according to plan. It doesn't go uh, by the script. So these are not mechanical things that if you have everything lined up in your life and you pull the lever, you are guaranteed to have a life that is healthy and wealthy and success and and all of these things. Uh, They're not meant to, to function like that. But it does mean that all things being equal, there's a way better chance of things going well in your life when you live according to God's wisdom. It can save you from a lot of harm. It can save you from a lot of heartache. It can save you from from all kinds of pitfalls. But it is a matter of this happening usually. All things uh, equal, it is the uh, best bet for you to live according to wisdom or the best choice for you. This is what is going to be the the, the best thing as far as probability. And just because things go the wrong way, still making a wise choice is still the wise thing to do. And I want to see sometime if I can come up with a better illustration for this. Uh, but sometimes people say, they look back in their choices and they say, well, I chose this, but it didn't go the right way. And I guess that was the bad choice. Well, maybe it was, but maybe you still made what is the wise choice uh, but it didn't go the way that you th- we thought it was going to go, but it was actually still the wise choice. And so kind of the mental experiment I've thought of to think about this is, you know, imagine there's uh, some kind of, um, you know, uh, evil, you know, billionaire genius, you know, that captures you and, and tells you, all right, I need you to make a wager here. I'm going to roll this dice, okay, and you can, you can pick if you get it right or if you get it wrong, and if you get it right, your family gets a million dollars. If you get it wrong, your house burns down. And he gives you two choices. You can pick either one through five, or you can pick six. Okay? And so you have to guess which one it's going to be. And let's say it's a normal, regular die. And uh, what's it going to be? Now think about this. What do you think, if that's the case, and it's a regular die, um, what would you choose? Would you choose one through five, or would you choose six? I would say the wise choice would be, well, you're going to pick one through five. You've got a five times the chance of this going the right way. Now, what if then you roll it, and, oh, no, it's six. You know, and the evil genius burns your house down, and, ah, those evil people. But anyways, would you say, oh, I made, the, I made a foolish choice? I would say, no, you actually still made the wise choice, because it was way more likely from everything that you knew uh, that it would go well if you picked that. So in a way, the book of Proverbs are like that. It's, it's not a guarantee, but like probability, this is what makes sense. And this is from the God that designed this world. He knows how it functions. He knows how to tell you to live according to the grain of this world instead of li- living against the grain of this world. Because when we live against the grain of this world, things go bad. That's why so many people are in such problems in life because they're, they're, they're butting their head against reality, trying to live in a way that just we weren't designed to live. 
So this tells us how the world works. It tells us how reality really goes and what is, is probably going to make sense and be the best decision. So another way to say what I'm trying to get across is we need to point out that the biblical Proverbs are not the same as laws or promises. And we should live according to them. They're a little, it's a different type of thing than like the biblical laws, you know, saying do this, don't do that. But it's also different than, uh, there are many promises in the Word of God. Things that you can, you can take to the bank, so to speak. Uh, they're ironclad. They are going to happen. God promised these things, and God is going to deliver on these things. But when you look at the book of Proverbs, we have to realize this is a different type of, of writing. It's a different genre. If you think of what a genre is, sometimes we, we know about what a genre from music uh, you have playlists and it's different genres and you're listening to classical music or you're listening to, to rock music or you're listening to your, your polka music. Um, and different styles of music have different kind of rules as far as what makes it a good song. You know, certain things that would make a good rock song are not the same as what would make a good polka song, okay? Or a jazz song or something where it's, you know, you might have this going to swing time or something like that. They just, they function differently, and so when we look at the Bible, we have to ask ourselves, what type of literature, what type of writing is this? And they might have different rules as far as how they function. And sometimes we recognize this. If you're reading like a narrative section in Scripture, it's usually pretty straightforward. Here's the history, here's what happened. If you're reading uh, a poetry section, the book of uh, Psalms, for example, you would expect more, more poet, um, you know, poetic language, you know, imagery, metaphors, things like that. And it's just normal interpretation. So the Proverbs, we have to realize, is a different uh, type of genre. And what these are is they are rules of thumb for living. Okay? They're saying that this is uh, your, your best choice. This is what should make things, in all probability, go well for you. But they are not intended to be ironclad promises. So if these don't come to pass... It's not that the Bible is wrong on this. It's that they're not intended to work like that. And as you read through it, you'll see that this is the case. You'll say, all right, I can see that most of the time this would work out and would be a good thing, and so it makes sense to live this way, but it doesn't always absolutely guarantee things are going to go that way. Here's one example. Proverbs 10, 27. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Okay, that's a, that's a biblical proverb. Uh, it, is, uh, it is true, okay, if you're understanding what a proverb is and how the proverbs actually function. And we would recognize that, yeah, this really does make sense to us. That if you fear the Lord, if you have a healthy respect for him, you acknowledge how serious the Lord is, you're not being frivolous about him, you're not blowing him off and just la-la-la living your life without a care for the Lord in the world. Um, that good chance you are going to live a longer life than if you were living some dis, uh, uh, just crazy life where you're, you're blowing off the Lord, you're blowing off his commandments, uh, you're taking you know, foolish risks, you're uh, living in such a way that has all kinds of consequences. And so yeah, all things being equal, you follow the Lord, you live according to his commandments, it is going to help you to live a longer life. It's going to keep you out of trouble. Kids, you know, obeying your parents keeps you alive. There's so many other things that we think, oh no, the Bible's telling us, you know, don't drink this and don't do this and 
Don't do this with that girl. And it also keeps you from a lot of problems and a lot of different things. The years of the wicked will be short. And a lot of times you can say, okay, sometimes people met an early end because of a lot of foolish you know, choices that they made. Because they, they didn't consider God. They blew him off. But is that always the case? And I bet it wouldn't take you long to think of counterexamples. To think of examples where you'd say, well, this person feared the Lord and, and didn't live a real long life. Or someone else that was wicked and lived to a good, ripe old age, making all kinds of bad decisions. So that's where you have to interpret the Proverbs according to the way they're meant to. This is a rule of thumb that all things, be, this is what is going to be helpful. This is good. It often or usually leads to this, but it's different than like the promises in Scripture that our ironclad guarantees. So I think it's just important to, to understand this and it helps us to interpret them in the right way. So it isn't about, you know, if it doesn't come true, I just got to claim it harder or something like that. That isn't what this is about. Claim it harder and it'll come true. But living by the Proverbs are what is best. Living by God's wisdom is always uh, what is best for you and for your life. So, talked about that. And the last question I want to give is, thinking about Proverbs, what is the beginning of wisdom? I'm saying it this way because I want to uh, emphasize another thing that the book of Proverbs is, is teaching us and being really clear on. We talked a little bit last time. If you're here last week, you say, I know what the beginning of wisdom is. Beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 says, uh, here's the beginning of wisdom. Get wisdom. And we said, that's definitely true. Uh, if you want to, you know, the wisest thing you can do is to care about getting wisdom. Solomon, he did that, okay? He, God asked him, what do you want? He said, I want wisdom. I need wisdom. I need help from you. And God gave him wisdom. So this is true, and it is also true, as it says in Proverbs 1.7, and as it says in Proverbs 9.10, it says it a little bit different wording, but these also tell us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, so these are, they're both the beginning. These are both of fundamental importance. These are both absolutely starting blocks for us. We need to care about getting wisdom. As we do this, that caring about the Lord, fearing the Lord, and understanding that, taking him into account, this is the, the, the most import, these are the most important things that we need to realize and that we need to consider. Thinking about the fear of the Lord and, and what this means as far as wisdom. I was thinking if you were a lion keeper at the zoo, the beginning of wisdom for you would be probably fear the lions. Okay? Because if you get all casual around the lions, uh, you might be, you're going to end up the a maimed or dead lion keeper instead. That they might look cute and cuddly, might think they're great, but uh, you know they're going to get you. So it doesn't mean like cowering in fear. You can't show up to work, you know, but it means that you would have a healthy respect and you would have healthy, you know, respecting who they are and their power and not getting on the wrong side of the lion. I was watching videos uh, kind of recently for Eric, my graduate, and we went hiking the one time and uh, we were hiking along this cliff and talking to people about this uh, even yesterday and... um, looking at some of this and some of the, you were at a part where you're 
on a little walkway that's about six feet on um, total at some parts and over a thousand feet like straight down on one side and over a thousand feet straight down on the other. And at least at the time we went, nine people had died, you know, in the past several years hiking that. And we enjoyed doing it, but realized you, you don't, you're not messing around when you're at some of those situations. That you're taking it seriously. Uh, so there's a healthy fear of the cliff that you need to have to keep safe. Because if you, you know, get into a wrong relationship with that cliff, uh, that you're, you're going down, quite literally. And so we think of this, you know, if, if you're a lion keeper, healthy fear of the lion, hiking, healthy fear of the edge of the cliff. And if you live in reality, let's have that situation, then what you want to be most concerned about is what is the most important part of reality? What is the thing that is going to affect you the most, that could impact you the most? And a lot of people don't realize it, they don't acknowledge it, but the Lord is the most important thing in all of reality. And he is the one that's going to affect your life the most one way or another. And to be in a good relationship with the Lord is a very, very good thing. And to be in a wrong relationship with the Lord is a very, very, very bad thing. Because God is a, he's a good God and he is a holy God and he is a God of justice. And there's a big difference being uh, you know, with him as forgiven through Christ and uh, seeking to, uh, to obey him and living according to him and recognizing that he is the most important and what, he's, what he says goes, what he says really is reality. Or pretending he's not there and just living our lives with a carelessness about him. It may go well for a while, it may seem to, but it can't and it won't end up well in the end. The most important factor, therefore, to consider in any decision-making whether something small or whether something big, is God. How does God affect this? How does what God says impact the decision that you should be making? Will this please him? Will it, will it displease him? And you say, well, I'm forgiven. He's not going to send me to hell. But you know what? When you're forgiven, yes, our relationship with him changes from having him as this judge that is going to condemn us as rebels Okay, and send us to hell. And that's the situation you're in if you don't turn to him. We stay under his, his wrath. He invites you to come to him. Jesus has died on the cross for sinners. And the price can, is, uh, your, your salvation is available for, for anyone that's willing to come to him. Okay? Uh, and when you come to him, your relationship changes. He's no longer uh, like a, you're like a criminal to a judge, but you are like a, uh, a child, to a very good father, a very good, very strong father. And if you've had a, a very good father, you love that father, you respect that father, but you also know not to get on the wrong side of your father. It doesn't mean that he's going to disown you. It doesn't mean that he's going to uh, abuse you or anything. But the discipline that may be incurred is going to be whatever it takes to help you on the right path. And even if it's not about discipline, you, you love your father and you want to do right by your father. You care about your father. So our relationship changes, but it's, it's a healthy sense of fear that a son has for a very good father. Thus, to consider the Lord whenever you make a decision, that is wise. 
And to ignore the Lord when you make a decision, that is just foolishness. So the beginning of wisdom, yeah, is, is the fear of the Lord, caring about him, thinking how does this impact your decision? How does it impact everything? What does he think about it? How is, is it going to help lead to your growing closer to him? Is it going to help lead other people to come closer to him or drive them away? Is it going to bring him glory and honor? Or is it going to be something that would detract from that, that wouldn't bring him glory and honor? So fear of the Lord is mentioned many times, and I have on the back of your bulletin insert uh, them listed out. So you can look at them. I encourage you to read them uh, through sometime. The fear of the Lord is mentioned in the Proverbs, well, 20 times. 19 where it's mentioned directly, uh, one of those uh, talks about the fear of man in contrast to the, uh, the fear of the Lord. Let's look at just kind of three of them, just kind of real quick. We think about this, Proverbs 3, 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Think of how many people think they're really wise uh, in their own eyes. They, they think if you left it to them, they are uh, just the wisest thing there is. They think they're very smart. Uh, we know people like this. Uh, the thing is, uh, a lot of these people wouldn't realize that they're just wise in their own eyes. Um, it reminds me of just the word sophomore. Uh, you know, literally the word sophomore? I'm looking at my daughter Zoe. You're going to be a sophomore. I think we talked about this. The word sophomore literally means, uh, comes from Sophia, and the word that, and the, the more part, we get the word moron from that. So it literally means wise moron. Because they're past their freshman year, they think they know everything, but, you know, so yeah, keep that in mind. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so, but how many people, they, they think they got it figured out, they think they're wise. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and that's going to have you turn away from evil. But if you think, i got to figure it out, I can, I, I can trust my own judgment. I can trust my own heart. You're going to walk right into evil. Proverbs 15, 16, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. So what this means is it's better to have not much in life, okay, but you have the fear of the Lord, okay, and it's going to be so valuable rather than you have uh, just great treasure, you have all these different things. You have everything that money can buy, but more money, more problems. When it says more with it, it's not returning. The with it is not the fear of the Lord. It's with the great treasure. You have great treasure and everything that people think that they're, they're living for. But you know, it's better for you to fear the Lord and to live simply and be content. And that's going to be better for you in the long run. Proverbs twenty three seventeen. Let not your hearts envy sinners. And sometimes we do that. We look at things the sinners have and, ah, oh, look, they have all this. And man, they got their Sundays free and they can be out at the boat and they got uh, the lake and all these extra things going on and uh, all the pleasures they get to seek after and all this. Don't let your heart go there. Don't start envying the things of, of this world and things that people go after. But continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. So there's some examples what it tells us about uh, the, the fear of the Lord and uh, how it impacts our lives. Well then, at the end here, I want us to think about this. We talk about Solomon, the wisest person that ever lived. But I want us to consider for a little bit Solomon and his life. Because if you know his story, there's other things that we know about Solomon. And so, think of how did things kind of go in his life. 
And there's some tragic things. 1 Kings 11, 1 through 8. I remember here, as I read this, think of this, someone that God gave him all this wisdom. He wrote uh, most of the book of Proverbs and all this. And think of what this is and let this shock you. Okay, 1 Kings 11 says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign wives, along with the daughters of Pharaoh, Moabite, Amorite, Edomite, Sidian, and Hittite women. Now, I want to just say this in advance. It's not primarily about the fact that they were foreigners. That's actually not the main deal. But the main deal of this is he's loving these women, and he probably thought, well, it's wise. I can make political treaties you know, kind of with them. But they didn't worship the true God. They worshiped idols. They worshiped false gods and all of this. And, but his heart went out to them, and he, even we was told not to. And Hittite women, verse 2, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither they with you, for they will turn away your heart after their gods. God had warned him of this. He had told him, don't do this. And by the way, I said that you know, wisdom, the Proverbs are not the same as, as laws, but it is always wise to obey God's laws. When God tells us to do something. And Solomon was being, he didn't obey here. He didn't use his wisdom to, to live this out. In fact, it says Solomon clung to these in love. He clung to them. And then it says, let this blow your mind. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. So not quite wives, kind of like mistresses. That's a thousand altogether. That's crazy. And and we get this this is the tragic part. And his wives turned away his heart. Verse four for when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God. And what as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonites. And after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So he's, not, he's worshiping these false gods because he was led astray by this. By the way, a little bit of wisdom for those of you that are unmarried. Marry someone that loves the Lord. Don't think it's going to work out well if you pick someone that loves other things. If you love the Lord, you need someone that loves the Lord. Girls, find yourself a guy that loves Jesus, knows Jesus, and is going to love you like Jesus loved the church. Okay, guys, find a girl that's going to, that loves Jesus, It's going to help you to raise your kids to love Jesus. We learn from Solomon's bad examples here. And then it says, So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow after the Lord, as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab. So he's building like a place to worship false gods. And for Moloch, the abomination of the Ammonites. Moloch. Okay, Moloch would get worship with like child sacrifice. Solomon, what are you doing? On the mountain of the east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods. Wow, so tragic what happened to him. You know, we don't know exactly when Solomon wrote everything that he wrote. 
You know, so wrote the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, which is kind of this um, uh, love song. But he also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And the book of Ecclesiastes, which comes right after uh, the, the book of Proverbs, you know, talks about, you know, seeking all these things in the world. And I wonder if this is something that uh, Solomon wrote, you know, towards the end of his life after he had gone after all these things. And if you read it, he talks about, I've gone after and I've achieved wealth. I've achieved pleasure. I've achieved uh, all these sensual things, all the things the world has to offer. And he says it's vanity. It's emptiness. It's an illusion. It promises, but it does not deliver. And he's passing this on and helping us to realize this. But the very end of this, in the book of Ecclesiastes, the big conclusion, let me close by reading you this. It says, chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Beside being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd, my son, beware of anything beside these. Of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Verse 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, and with every secret thing, whether good or evil. You're trying to put this all together. You think of Solomon, he's given all this wisdom. You say, how could somebody that's so wise fall into such sin? I think the principle we need to realize as we go through the book of Proverbs is this. There is a big difference. There is a big difference between having wisdom and using wisdom. You can have all the wisdom you want. You can collect all this and you can be knowledgeable. You can memorize all this but you have to live it out. You have to live according to this. And God is the same God that gives you this wisdom through the book of uh, Proverbs. He will also help you to live this out. But you need to depend on him and you need to choose to live it out. And as we see from Solomon, the book of Ecclesiastes, once again, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are a God that gives us what we need. Thank you that you're a God that is so willing to give us wisdom. You created this world. You understand how it works. And you teach us, both in the book of Proverbs and throughout Scripture, from from Genesis to Revelation, uh, what this world is all about and how it is meant to function. And Lord, in our rebellion, we have gone against that grain so often. We ask for your forgiveness. Lord, we cling to Jesus Christ as our only hope. Lord, teach us. Give us wisdom, but also help us by your Spirit to make the right choices. Not to just have that wisdom, but to use that wisdom, Lord God. So thank you that you're involved in our lives. Give us the help that we need, Lord, because we need you so much. Thank you for Jesus, our Lord and Savior. In his name we pray, amen.